What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. Week 13 is here. These final two regular season matchups are going to make or break a lot of seasons. Last week, I combined the running back wide receiver videos into one. You all seem to like that setup more, and so we'll stick with that unless you guys vote otherwise. That means we'll be going game by game, talking about all the positions, all the games this week. Going to be a long one, so uh, sit back, hit the like button, and let's hop into it. First game up, Thursday Night Football, Bills at Patriots, 43.5 point total, so a little bit of a lower total game, and the Bills are only four point road favorites, so normally we get a Bills game, even in a low total game, they'll be heavy favorites, and so they're projected to score 26, 27 points at the worst. It's only 23.75 this week, so definitely a lower scoring game than we're used to for the Bills, Diggs, Allen, must starts. I don't care what the game environment or the matchup is. You are playing them every week. After them, I would say Singletary, Davis, Knox, they're all fringe starters. They're on an offense tied to Josh Allen, which makes them viable every single week. But the Patriots are the worst matchup for opposing running backs. So despite playing 75% of the snaps, seeing around 15 to 17 opportunities a game, Singletary would usually be a better play than he is this week and still play him as like a low-end running back too. And then Gabe, you know, decent play, but like obviously we look at last week, the matchup was significantly better, the game environment was significantly better, and so he's always going to be a boom or bust play in the flex. It's just this week, bust is a little bit more likely. Doesn't mean he can't hit. He could go out there and have five for 115 two touchdowns. That can happen, especially if they're selling out to stop Stephon Diggs. It's going to leave him with single coverage more often. He's more likely to hit when he's in single coverage. Just know, like I said, the game environment is bad. They're not projected to score a ton of points. And so we could see definitely a spot where, you know, Davis underperforms by a little bit. Uh, and then Knox has the best matchup of the group. Um, they're much better defending Patriots, obviously, at running backs and wide receivers. Tight ends, they allow a little bit more production. Uh, but just given how involved he is in the offense on average, he grades out in this, like, you're going to hear me say a few times, this running back, like, 8 to 15 range, where they're all pretty much the exact same play. You're looking at, like, three receptions for 30-something yards and maybe a 30 to a 40% chance of scoring. That's what, like, that entire group is. And so... I would say within that group, again, the tight end, like 8 to 15, if you have one of them, you feel fine with them, just play them and hope they're the one that scores a touchdown. I wouldn't worry too much. If you've got like the tight end 20, 22, well now, yeah, maybe drop them, try and get an upgrade for this week. Uh, but, you know, everyone in this general range, you're hoping for a touchdown. They're pretty much all the same play. Uh, besides that, everyone's a pretty thin play. McKenzie burned me last week for benching him. But as I said before, the matchup is significantly more difficult this week. So you're probably only playing him in 14 or 16 team leagues. I have him in the 16 team league. I don't remember what I have in there for the lineup right now, but I am considering playing him every week. One note I would say on McKenzie is that he has found success in the past. And like I said before, if they sell out to stop Stefan Diggs, well, that's going to make it a lot easier for guys like Gabe Davis and McKenzie to produce. And so... Possibly is a good game. I would say for most of you, you probably don't need to go there. 
For the Patriots, uh, also have a terrible matchup, and they're the team projected to lose in the lower scoring game. Uh, under 20 points is their projection. Ramondre is a must play, especially with uh, Harris. I haven't seen him confirmed out, but he was like on crutches. I don't think he's going to be playing this week. Uh, and so he's going to operate as a feature back already, even with Harris in the lineup. He had like a 25% target share over the last month. I mean, he's been getting so much secure volume. You're playing him no matter what. And then um, I'd consider Myers. It just depends on his health. So watch his practice status throughout the week. Watch the reports. See if he's, you know, going to be playing 100% of snaps. Because like last week, he gets hurt in the first play. They kind of limited him to only, you know, really important third downs. He wasn't out there in every other play. And so if that were to happen again, we're not playing him, obviously, right? He's good, but he's not that good to, like, consistently produce only on some key third downs. Like, we're not playing him in that scenario. But if he's going to play all the snaps, if it's a trailing game script, he's clearly the top wide receiver, I'll like him. So it really just depends on what the reports are. Not going to be a must play regardless, uh, but he could be a much stronger play if he's out there and fully healthy. No 9.30 games this week. And so the next up will be the 1 o'clock kickoffs. And we'll start off with Steelers at Falcons, 42-point total. And this game is actually a pick em. So both sides equally likely to win. For the Steelers... Great matchup. Falcons defense ranks last in schedule adjusted fantasy points to wide receivers. Bottom seven in that same metric to tight ends. Bottom eight in rush defense DVOA. So you can pretty much attack them however you want, though teams typically lean towards the air because I guess they're just a little bit worse at defending uh, the passing attack. Even with the matchup, the only player that grades out as like a must start is Pat Fryermuth. He has a 21% target share on the season. Uh, he's very involved, especially without Claypool. Just incredibly likely to at least have a good game. Like the odds he goes out there and is two for 20 is, I don't want to say zero, but it's like very, very low if he doesn't get hurt. Because anyone can get hurt. But if he stays healthy and he's out there for his normal snaps, it is unbelievably unlikely he has a dud game. Now, ceiling in this offense, you know, hasn't been something that's hit a lot this season, but ceiling for tight end could be 7 for 70. It doesn't need to be, you know, 10 for 100. And so I would definitely play Pat if you have him. After that, like, the the ground game really just depends on everyone's status, really. Is Najee Harris going to play? Is Jalen Warren going to play? I'll say that between those two, I'm not in love with either one of them if they both play. Like, if they're both active this week, they're probably going to split most of the touches and so, like, even in a good matchup, it's, like, fine to both be, like, low-end flex plays. But if one of them plays, so just Najee or just Warren, I'll like that player. Because, you know, we would expect them to see the most touches in the backfield. They'll still mix in, you know, McFarland, Benny Snell. But we'd expect them to have the most workload. And so I would like them. Um, if neither play, I don't love Snell or McFarlane enough to really recommend them. Maybe in 14 or 16 team leagues, if you have to play them at running back two, that's fine. Uh, but I would really just stick to either Najee or Warren or neither. I wouldn't go to the secondary guys. Then for wide receivers, I think you're playing Deontay and you're playing George Pickens. I don't want to call them must starts. Um, I'm not sure I even want to call them incredibly strong starts are really just like on the fringe um but it's like it's a really really good matchup i think if you have them play them in the flex i really think they're worth playing in the flex this week 
Um, Deontay hasn't shown a massive ceiling. I don't even think he's scored a touchdown yet this season. Pickens is the one that's shown, you know, more work downfield, more work in the red zone. And so I would lean towards him. Plus, he's a very much ascending talent. I think, you know, next year we can pretty easily say, like, he's going to be better than Deontay Johnson. He honestly might already be right now. Um, but at least, like, for fantasy, I really think both are worth playing in the flex spot. They're not going to face any resistance as far as the Falcons secondary, and they're going to be utilized plenty. They should stay on the field plenty. There's going to be plenty of scoring opportunities. And so I would say, especially if like Najee and Warren are both out in this game, I mean, you have to think they're going to lean on Deontay and Pickens. And so I will play them again. It doesn't really matter if you call them must start strong starts, whatever I end up putting up there, I'll probably put them in strong starts, I guess. But they're flex plays. I think they're really good plays in the flex. As for the Falcons, uh, no one grades out as a must start, but your best play is Patterson. Um, should see around 12 to 15 opportunities. He's seen his snap share rise over the last three weeks. He's getting a little bit more involved. Unfortunately, 12 to 15 touches is only really good enough to grade out as like a low end running back, too. Uh, but if you need to play him, I think he's totally fine. I just don't think he has like an insanely high ceiling. He's got to be pretty efficient with that workload. Behind him, Drake took a back seat to Olamide Zacchaeus last week, and he hasn't finished the top 25 wide receiver since week three. Like, Drake is going to be a star in the future. That That is a 100% certainty in my eyes. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen this season. Uh, the offense just isn't good at throwing the ball. They don't want to throw the ball. It's just not worth really playing any of their pass catches, especially with Pitts done. You would think, and it is true that like London has more upside without Pitts, but they just won't throw it. And if they're not going to throw it, it doesn't matter really what the target share is for anyone. Packers at Bears is up next. 43.5 point total. Packers four point road favorites. The Packers, uh, Aaron Jones is the only must start. He's been a top 17 running back in three straight. He has been a top eight running back in three of the last six weeks. He's shown a ceiling. We know he has a ceiling. He's a very good player. It's a great matchup. Uh, the Bears have faced the single highest opponent rush rate of any team this season. Fourth worst rush defense in terms of DVOA. Um, they're a plus matchup in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Like you run on the Bears, you'll find success. The Packers haven't found a whole lot of success through the air. Uh, Rodgers is a little bit banged up right now. He said he's playing. Honestly, when I was doing all the projections, I didn't even downgrade very much going to love. So I was like, if Rodgers is out, don't really change all that much for this analysis. Uh, but I, I suppose you'd still prefer Rodgers as a starting quarterback. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones is a really good play. I don't think those numbers are good enough in terms of like how bad the Bears are at defense. And again, very bad. They're a very bad defense. I don't think they're bad enough to where A.J. Dillon is a must-start. I don't think we'll have a week unless Aaron Jones is injured where Dillon is a must-start. But it's a really good matchup. Best spot he's seen in a while. Uh, he had 19 touches in their first meeting. So the first time they played the Bears, he had 19 touches. That was his most on the season. That could happen again this week. Um, I have projected for 62 yards and half a touchdown. Makes him the running back 33 on the week depends what you have if the running back 33 is your best option I wouldn't feel bad about playing Dylan this week I think he can have a good game uh if you've got you know three top 20 running backs well you're not playing AJ Dylan 
After that, um, depends on what you have, honestly. I think you're starting Christian Watson at this point. He's got six touchdowns in the last three weeks. He's been the wide receiver two, five, and eight, respectively. So back-to-back-to-back top eight wide receiver finishes. You can't bank on a long touchdown every single game. You can't bank on multi-touchdown scores. But he's clearly being featured in the red zone. He's clearly a good player. And so I think you kind of have to play him in the flex because of that. Lazard has taken a little bit of a back seat to Christian Watson, thanks to his emergence, obviously. Like, if, you know, Watson's going to be this involved, especially in the red zone, it's coming away from someone. So I would say Lazard bumps down to really only being like a low-end flex play, maybe only used in that like second flex spot. If you only have one flex spot, you're in like a 10 or 12-team league. It's not like the best play in the world, especially if they're going to do what most teams do and run at a very very high rate against the Bears well now Lazard has to be efficient probably has to score a touchdown and that's a lot to ask of really any player but especially now the wide receiver two on this offense Uh, then Rodgers says he's gonna play I don't know that you need to play him and then Tanyan pretty thin play he hasn't been great recently he'd have to score a touchdown and I think he might only have one or even zero on the season but he definitely doesn't have many uh, and he hasn't been good in like two months for the Bears Sort of depends on Fields. Like, obviously, the offense takes a step back. If Fields is out, if he comes back, everyone obviously improves. Um, I would say if they're going to play him, he's healthy enough to play and you should start him. And then it's a bump up to, again, like I said, everyone. I would say Montgomery is the one that's like I'm least concerned about. I think regardless of if Fields plays or not, he's going to approach, you know, 18 to 20 opportunities in this game. And I think that's enough to say if you have him, you're probably playing him. Like I would be pretty surprised if you had, you know, three running backs that are better than David Montgomery in this spot. Um, but yeah, if, if Fields is out, I wouldn't be in love with really anyone. Like Cole Clement has a really high target share in recent weeks, and it could go even higher now that Mooney's done for the season. But even still, even if you look at this target share, it's like target share is one thing, total volume is another. Cole Clement has maxed out at five receptions one time. He has one other game with four receptions. Every other game is three or less. And so especially if Fields is out, that's not something I really want. And if Fields plays, it's fine, but he's in that same, you know, group tight end 8 through 15, where everyone's pretty much the same play. Who scores a touchdown will be who is a top uh, 12 option this week. Um, Many people will look to Chase Claypool. Fine. Um, Not like super excited about it because, again, even if you bump him up to like a 30% target share, which would enter what? Like the top seven wide receivers. Like very few players have a 30% target share, especially for a projection. You can like randomly spike for that. But like on average, having 30% is massive. Even that, you know, it's not that amazing. Like, he definitely isn't a must start. He's not even a strong start. Uh, He's a, you need him, play him. Any other scenario, if you don't need him, don't play him. And let's be honest, there's only two teams on by this week. You probably don't need him. Next up, we've got Broncos at Ravens. Gross. Lowest total in the week, 38.5 point total. Ravens, 8.5 point home favorites. The Broncos, I have them projected for... 1.36 total touchdowns in this game, which is pathetic. Like, they have the lowest team total of the week. They've shown zero signs of life so far this season. Sutton is their best play. Grades out as a wide receiver 29 right now. So, if that's your best bet in the flex, 
do it. Many of you will have three better options in the wide receiver 29. Um, I would say especially if like Mike, Mike Boone, let's say Mike Boone is able to return this week. I would say Sutton's probably the only player even looking at. Uh, Latavius Murray was solid last week. If Mike Boone is out, I think you can play Latavius Murray as, you know, like a low end running back too. Uh, but especially if Boone returns, it's really just Sutton for this team. Dulcich isn't an awful play in that same range that I've talked about, uh, but he definitely needs a touchdown. And the thing is, like, uh, Cole Clement, right? Well, you know, he's been pretty involved in the red zone, um, especially Fields is back. I like his chance of scoring a little bit better than Dulcich. And it's like, you kind of will go through all the players in that range. You look at Dulcich, and you're like, okay, the whole team is projected to score 1.36 touchdowns. So it has to go to Dulcich. And like, what are the odds that that ends up happening? Like, it can, but there's nothing that indicates he's going to be the only one to score this week. And so, not a great play in my eyes. For the Ravens, uh, this is a bad spot. Like, obviously, the Denver defense is very good. Fifth fewest yards per play allowed. Uh, Lamar recently has been pretty unlucky with touchdowns. And given his rushing expectation, like, play him every week I know sometimes it hasn't been fantastic recently but like it's Lamar Jackson he's gonna run the ball 10 to 13 times you have 100 rushing yards and a touchdown uh, he could pretty easily score two rushing touchdowns and throw for two like I know this is Denver it's not a good spot but it's Lamar Jackson like unless you've got some really really good quarterbacks you're playing Lamar Jackson and the same is true for Mark Andrews only on a more extreme end like for you to bench Mark Andrews, like you must have Travis Kelsey, and even then, you must have good options in the flex. You're playing Mark Andrews if he's active. Uh, behind those two, oh, and also uh, Andrews would have looked better last week. He dropped the touchdown, pretty easy touchdown. To like, don't worry about him. Um, like I said, behind those two though, you can take a shot on Gus if you want to. Just know that, like, especially for those of you in full PPR formats, he's going to score four to six pre-touchdown fantasy points. So if he doesn't score a touchdown. He will get four to six full PPR points, which is obviously incredibly low. So very, very low floor and a low ceiling. Unless he scores, if he scores three touchdowns, let's say, and you're like, oh man, should have played him. In full PPR, he still might only score like 22, 24 fantasy points, which is obviously great. But for three touchdowns, that's not great, right? Like he needs a multi-touchdown game to really bury you for not playing him. Even if he scores a touchdown, He'll probably only be around 10 or 11 fantasy points, which is like what someone should score, especially in full PPR, to be worthy of being started. Next game, Commanders at Giants, uh, 40 and a half point totals in the low total game. Commanders, two and a half point road favorites. For the Commanders, McLaurin, awesome. Great player. Um, I'm not sure why Carson Wentz doesn't think so, uh, but his target share has been awesome with Heineke at quarterback. While Heineke remains the starting quarterback, just play McLaurin every single week. Um, he hasn't hit his ceiling recently due to the lack of touchdowns, but I just, I don't know. I just couldn't do it, basically. Like, I'd have a very hard time benching him unless you've got some really, really good wide receivers, but he's a really good wide receiver and he's got a massive target share. Like, I think you're playing him. After McLaurin, you're really only looking at uh, the commander's running backs. Brian Robinson had a really good game last week. I uh, actually scored a receiving touchdown, which came out of nowhere. Uh, obviously excellent to see. But on the season, he still has a 3% target share. So until it happens again, where like if every week he can get, you know, two receptions, I'm good with that. 
right? That that would be great. That would probably make him like a consistent low end two. The problem is it's only happened really once. He has the touchdown, but like in every other game, he's getting like zero. And that really, really hurts the floor. Even with like 80, 90, 100 rushing yards, that's eight, nine, 10 points if you're not catching a pass. And so better in standard, obviously, but as we work into PPR, I'm still not fully convinced he's going to have this receiving workload. Um, the Giants are a plus matchup for opposing running backs. Uh, they are road favorites, the commanders. And so I think that both Gibson, Robinson, they're in a good spot. Um, I think you can play both of them as low end twos. But again, like I said, my lean is Gibson because I'm sure Gibson will maintain a receiving workload and that's just going to boost his value in fantasy. Um, hopefully Robinson continues to see more targets. Uh, but yeah, Gibson over Robinson, barely both low end twos. Uh, for the Giants, Saquon obviously start him. Uh, it's an awful matchup though. Uh, they are a huge pass funnel talking about the commanders, uh, but it's Saquon Barkley. You just have to play him. Uh, he's the only one grading out as like a, a really strong play behind him. It's really just Slayton. Like, and Slayton, honestly, I would say is fine in the flex this week. Uh, commanders are the eighth best matchup for opposing wide receivers. Uh, and his downfield role gives him a ceiling. There's a lot of other players who might have a similar target share, um, maybe even a similar projection, but Slayton can hit for a 50 or 60 yard touchdown. And those are the players I want in my flex because they come with ceiling. I don't really want someone who has like an 11 point projection, but it's probably going to be around 11 to like 12 points, maybe 13 at like the best. Slayton could drop 25. Like he absolutely could. Is he going to this week? Probably not. But let's be honest, like Wandell's done for the season, Shepard done for the season, Galladay's cooked, Bellinger's hurt, Barkley's in a tough matchup. Like they don't have very many options, right? They have him, Richie James, like they, they don't have that much. And so they're going to use him. They're going to use him downfield. I think he's totally fine in the flex. And then Daniel Jones, it's like he's shown upside the season because of the rushing, but think about his receivers. He doesn't have much to throw to, and so he has to do it on the ground. Um, good pass rush for the commanders. I'm not expecting Daniel Jones to run for like 70 and a touchdown. And so fine streamer always because of that mobility. Um, I would say this week probably isn't the spot. I want to use him. Jets at Vikings. Up next, 45-point total. Vikings, three-point home favorites. Only three points. And that means that Vegas is telling us they're the same. The Vikings and the Jets are of equal talent. On a neutral field, this would be a pick'em Vikings at home, so they get the three points. That's a closer spread than I think a lot of people would think, but it kind of shows you that, like, number one, Zach Wilson's terrible. Number two, Jets have very strong defense. Number three, Vikings a little bit overrated this season. Uh, but yes, I mean, Zach Wilson just, like, confirmed trash. For a while now, obviously, but I think a lot of people started to realize a little bit more last week. Over the last two years, the Jets have been significantly better. No matter who the starting quarterback is, as long as it is not Zach Wilson, Mike White just threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and effectively three quarters. And he was a rookie last season with Zach Wilson. And he has only made four starts. He has 300 plus yards, actually 401 of them, and three touchdowns, both in two games. So two out of four starts, he's at 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. Not only has Zach Wilson never done that in any of his 20 starts, but he only has one game with over 300 passing yards, has never had three plus passing 
touchdowns. Having Mike White as a quarterback is a massive upgrade, not only because Mike White's better, but just because he's not Zach Wilson. So it's an upgrade for absolutely everyone. And then you look at this game, and it's like the Vikings are the fourth best matchup for the opposing wide receivers, fifth best for tight end, eighth best for quarterbacks. It's a plus matchup for running backs. They've allowed the second most yards per play behind only the Lions. Like, this is an elite spot, and a lot of people are not going to see it that way. That's why the total also might be a little bit higher than people are expecting. So I think you are starting Garrett Wilson. You are starting Tyler Conklin this week. Running back kind of comes down to who's going to start. If Michael Carter is out and we get night starting then I like him as a running back too if Carter plays I will be less excited about any of them in a clear running back by committee one note is that I do expect so like let's say Carter misses everyone's going to be like let's go Knight's a great play and then they're going to see Robinson very likely activate and be like oh no listen like Robinson was a healthy scratch last week Knight played really well. There's nothing that suggests that they want to go back to James Robinson and that if he's activated, he's going to get a ton of touches. He'll get work, but I think they view Knight as the starter, especially if Carter misses this game. And so again, even if, well, when really they activate James Robinson, if Carter's out, I still like Knight as running back too. Um, And then the only other player you can think about is Elijah Moore. Um, but we're not playing him until we see like a consistent target shit there. It's just Garrett Wilson in the wide receivers. For the Vikings, uh, tough matchup. Jets have allowed the third fewest yards per play. They are a below average matchup for every single position besides tight end, where they are a neutral matchup. It's just not a good spot. Uh, we're not expecting like a ton of production outside of the core guys. So start Dalvin, start Jefferson, start Hawkinson, just bench everyone else, including Kirk Cousins. Uh, you don't want to go to ancillary players when teams are playing really good defenses. Jets are a very good defense. Next up, we've got a matchup that I think everyone has circled uh, since the start of the season, and that is Browns at Texans the week that Deshaun Watson is due back from his suspension. I think everyone is probably rooting for the Texans this week, uh, though they are unfortunately not a very good team, and so the odds are like definitely stacked against them. This game has a 47-point total, Browns 7-point road favorites. For the Browns, uh, Houston has faced the second-highest opponent rush play percentage on the season while ranking second-to-last in rush defense DVOA, 29th in yards per carry allowed, while allowing the fifth-most schedule-adjusted fantasy points to running backs. In other words, run the ball on Houston and good things will happen when you have an explosive all-world running back in Nick Chubb. It is very obvious what the game plan is. They're going to feature him in this spot. Behind Chubb, Hunt has not finished as a top 20 running back since week one, and he hasn't hit 10 fantasy points, 10 half PPR points in any week since week five, and he has a touchdown thrown in there. I think it was week seven. He scored a touchdown, still didn't get the 10 half PPR points. So I know the matchup is elite, but he grades out as a running back 35 right now. I think most of you have a better option than Kareem Hunt. I'm not sure really what to call Amari Cooper and David Njoku this week, uh, whether it's must starts, strong starts. Um, I would just say find a way to get both of them into your starting lineup. Uh, Houston is actually an awful matchup for wide receivers, and it's a road game where historically Cooper has struggled a little bit more than in home games. But 
Cooper's volume expectation is high enough where I think you just play him. You just say, I understand that the floor is very, very low, but Amari Cooper is a player that you should pretty much just always put into your wide receiver two spot because the ceiling is insane and you want to capture that ceiling and you're okay getting the occasional dud. And then for Njoku, Houston's actually the sixth best matchup for opposing tight ends and he was up to an 81% snap share last week. So two weeks ago, didn't play all that much. We were like, eh, we don't really want to trust him until we see him get a full snap share. Well, he did last week. I think you can trust him and play him this week. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the only other skill player really considering. Um, he definitely has upside. You can play him in the flex. He only grades out as a wide receiver 47 though. So for most of you, you can just leave him on the bench this week. We'll see what the target distribution is for Watson. And then we'll kind of reevaluate if we're going to play him next week. As for Watson, uh, this is actually a pretty bad matchup and we can't really know what he's going to look like in his first week back. So unless you've been like banking on playing him, you've got nothing at the quarterback position. I would just keep rolling with what you have been using at quarterback. See how he looks in this week. Reevaluate next week and see if you want to play him then. For the Texans, this is a really good matchup as well since the Browns have just an atrocious defense overall. Um, you can attack the Browns pretty much however you'd like but it's most easily done on the ground. So running backs fare very well against the Browns. Uh, this is an excellent spot for Damian Pierce. I know he's had two bad games in a row. I know people are very frustrated with his production, but I consider him a must-start this week. Beyond that, even the Browns, you know, being a plus matchup, you know, not being very good. If you're looking at secondary options on this team, like it's Nico Collins and it's Brandon Cooks. And both are fine if you need to play them in the flex spot, but I'm expecting the Texans to lean pretty heavily on Damian Pierce, uh, especially when they get in the red zone. The Browns give up a ton of rushing touchdowns, two running backs. Like, again, it's a, it's a good spot for Cooks and for Nico. Um, I would just say 8, 10, 12 team leagues. It's probably unlikely they've been the ones kind of being started for you, and I don't think this is the week to go to them. It's going to be a ground-based attack. Pierce is going to do good. I don't think you need those two. Next up, Jaguars at Lions. 51.5 point total. Jaguars, 1.5 point road favorites. The Jaguars, um, obviously a fantastic spot. Denver's allowed the most yards per play in the league. They rank bottom five in both pass defense DVOA and yards per pass attempt allowed while ranking second most in skill-just fantasy points to quarterbacks, third most to wide receivers, third most to tight ends surprisingly now to like to start the year this was a smash spot for running backs every running back going against uh the lions did great to start the year but now it's like tight ends quarterbacks wide receivers all destroy detroit not as much so for running backs so overall christian kirk must start etn must start if he plays trevor lawrence zay jones i would say both strong starts if you've got trevor lawrence you've been kind of like rotating him in i think this is a very very good week to play him and then beyond that group stream evan ingram if you need to um he's in that same range 8 to 15 for tight ends uh but you know great matchup against the lions he's been involved recently doesn't always go off but good enough target share good enough player um i think that he's like worthy of being in that 8 to 15 range and if you, he's your guy just stick with him 
For the Lions, uh, Jacksonville is a plus matchup for quarterbacks and wide receivers, neutral for running backs, bad matchup for tight ends. That doesn't really change what we're doing, though. Um, Like, we weren't playing the Detroit tight ends, so it doesn't matter if they're in a bad matchup. And then Goff, it's a good matchup, but, like, it's Jared Goff. Um, I don't think this is a spot where, unless you're pretty desperate streaming, like, you don't really need to play him. And so we've got Amoner St. Brown as a must-start, like always. And then it's a little tricky with the running backs. Uh, Swift had five carries, eight targets last week, and he was tackled like just at the goal line. They actually called it a touchdown, then overturned it. Had he scored that touchdown, he would have five straight weeks of being a top 30 running back, despite, you know, pretty limited touches overall, a very limited snap share. Like, I think people are very surprised that they see, oh, he's getting like five carries a week. He's playing like barely any snaps. How is he consistently like a top 30 running back? It's been the touchdowns. It's been the receptions. He is likely to see 10 to 12 opportunities this week. Uh, he does have a decent chance of scoring like always. And so definitely a fine play as a low and running back too. And then Jamal, I think is the same as well. He hasn't had a single target in four consecutive games, but he leads the NFL with 13 rushing touchdowns that's absolutely crazy i think he leads all running backs in total touchdowns as well with his 13 because again doesn't have any receiving game work again i view both of them as like low end running back twos and i would probably play both of them unless you have three top 15 running backs which very few people have i don't know anyone that really has that just play them and really you're just hoping that one of these days DeAndre Swift sees a little bit more work, but even with what he's been getting, again, he had eight targets last week. He's getting red zone usage. That's probably enough to be a low-end running back, too, and if it ever expands, he'll be a must-start. Final 1 o'clock game. Titans at Eagles, uh, 44.5-point total. Eagles, 5.5-point home favorites. The Titans, uh, we're never really looking to attack the Eagles' defense, and so we're sticking to our core. Always start Derrick Henry. And then Traylon Burks, Fine. Um, I don't think he's a must play. I'm not even sure he's a strong play, but he's got six, eight, and six targets over the last three weeks. He's someone they want to get more involved. He's a good talent. As the season goes on, I expect him to be more involved in the offense. Um, He's just not an amazing play this week because the Eagles do have such a good defense. Uh, He's a wide receiver, 40 right now. If you need him in the flex, do it. Uh, not the worst play in the world, but not someone we're like looking to definitely start. Liked him definitely more last week. Then for the Eagles, um, Hertz, Brown, always play them. Smith is a strong start this week since the Titans are the second best matchup for opposing wide receivers. The one question mark here is Miles Sanders, but he went off last week. 160 yards, two touchdowns, like clearly capable of that. It's a great offense, even in an awful matchup. I think you just have to play him, just understand that it's an awful matchup, right? Like the Titans are the premier pass funnel. Last time the Eagles played a pass funnel, they didn't care. They still ran the ball and then they lost because of it. So we'll see if that happens again this week. But every single team that plays the Titans recognizes that you can't run on them or you shouldn't run on them because they're much easier to pass against. And so I would expect the Eagles to realize that, do that, and that Smith and Brown will be great plays, and Sanders won't be as good of a play. But I think he gets enough volume still to where you're probably still playing him. Four o'clock games kick off with Seahawks at Rams, 41.5 point total, Seahawks 7.5 point road favorites. 
for the Seahawks. Uh, this is technically a bad matchup since the Rams do have a great defense. But the Rams' offense is so bad that Seattle should have consistently good field position and they should have plenty of opportunities on offense. Like even if they go three and out, four and out, five and out, it's like most of the time you have a competent offense on the other hand and they can kind of, you know, work their way down the field, drain the clock, and you're like, ah, we got to get the ball back. Well, you know what? They're going to be able to get the ball back a lot this, this week. And so uh, that's going to lead to, again, better field position on average, just more opportunities. The plays should be fine. And because of that, Ken Walker must start uh, the trio of Metcalf, Lockett, Geno, all very strong starts. Um, definitely not all locked to go off. Odds are not all of them will go off, but each is a good enough play that I would want them in my starting lineup. Then for the Rams, uh, this team is just such a disaster at this point. Uh, you can consider Higby and Kyron Williams, but even those two can likely remain on benches this week. Like Higby is banged up, and they have no incentive to throw him out there and be like, hey, play through this injury. Let's feature you while you're hurt. Like There's no incentive to do that, and so I don't think you should be playing Higby right now. And then Williams is like the most appealing, but until he earns a larger split in the offense he's still splitting with acres on a terrible team the efficiency can only be so high the touchdowns won't be there i think you're just saying hey i have a player on the rams you know drop him or keep him on your bench next up dolphins at 49ers 46 and a half point total 49ers four point home favorites the dolphins awful matchup san friends allowed the fewest yards per play in the nfl they're the sixth Worst matchup for opposing quarterbacks, second worst for running backs, average for wide receivers, fifth worst for tight ends. In matchups like these, as I said, stick to your studs. Tyreek Hill, Waddle, always must starts. Tua is a strong start because he has Tyreek and Waddle. Matchup doesn't matter as much when you've got those two. And I would say everyone else is only play if you need to. The running back room will depend a little bit on the status of Moster, but even if, you know, Mostert is out, Jeff Wilson is fine as a low-end running back too, but it's a very difficult matchup. I would expect him to lean on Tyreek Hill, on Jalen Waddell, and so you don't need to start Wilson this week. Then for the 49ers, uh, depends on the status of McCaffrey. It seems like he's dealing with a pretty minor knee injury, but you never know with knee injuries, so keep an eye on that. If he plays, always start him. Um, and also with, with Mitchell done for the season, yeah, obviously that's a positive for McCaffrey, but it's an even bigger positive, I think, for Debo Samuel. They'll probably go back to using him on more designed runs now. And so it's possible that despite not being amazing so far this season, you know, maybe he mixes in more for like, you know, two or three more carries each week and just use a little bit more in that area to where we're seeing more of that ceiling we saw last season. He's not going to go back to what he did last year, but he can at least approach it now. I don't think I could really see benching him. Uh, Miami is the fourth best matchup proposing tight ends, and so can't really see benching Kittle either. So it really just comes down to, do you want to play Brandon Ayuk or not? And that depends on what you have. He's been wide receiver 28 right now, and I would feel comfortable playing him in the flex. It should be a good game. It should be a game where the 49ers are forced to remain aggressive throughout the week. And so I think you can play him. But hey, if you have you know three top 20 wide receivers... Don't play him, I guess. Next up, we've got what should be a great game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. 52.5 point total, highest of the week, one of the highest on the season. Chiefs, two point road favorites. 
for the Chiefs. Kelsey, Mahomes, always must starts every week, while Pacheco and Juju are both strong plays. Juju didn't play much last week, but I would imagine he's ramped up more throughout this week. Should get his usual workload on Sunday. Pacheco, meanwhile, has two straight top 25 finishes. He's got 15, 16, 23 touches over the last three weeks. I can't imagine Melvin Gordon will have a big impact even if he's activated this week. And so I think Pacheco, again, strong play at running back too. Then besides those four, like Mahomes is going to throw for, you know, 320 yards, 330 yards. Um, but those four players are like the bulk of the consistent workload. Everyone else gets like work and has touch on upside, yards upside, but doesn't have like a secure enough workload to where you really want to play them. Then for the Bengals, Chase is expected back this week. And hopefully we learn later in the week if he's going to have any sort of restrictions. If not, Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Burrow, all very, very strong plays. I would consider all of them must plays this week, especially since KC is a plus matchup at every position and they're going to be good, right? We know Kansas City is going to score points. We know that even if the Bengals got up, they're going to have to remain aggressive. They're going to have to, you know, consistently score. And so we're playing the core four there. And then Hayden Hurst is a perfectly fine play in that same low end to low end, like tight end one to high end, tight end two range. Uh, the ceiling is obviously capped since, well, if, if Chase is back and the half Higgins and if Mixon is back, I mean, let's be honest, he's not going out there and commanding 10 targets. Final four o'clock game, Chargers at Raiders. 15.5 point total, Chargers, 1.5 point road favorites. The Chargers, uh, depends on Mike Williams, obviously, uh, but the Raiders are not a good defense. Actually, I would call them a very bad defense. And so you want to be starting Chargers players this week. I have started the week projecting Mike Williams out, and that makes Herbert, Eckler, Keenan Allen all must starts, Palmer a strong start, and then DeAndre Carter. Like flex viable, I wouldn't say strong start, but the Raiders are, again, a bad defense, really bad to slot wide receivers. Carter will play in the slot at times, and so he's a wide receiver 33 right now, but he does have a ceiling if Mike Williams is out. And then Everett, tight end seven right now, so he'd be a strong play as well. If Mike Williams is active, Carter falls off, Everett, Palmer become weaker plays, and then you kind of get into a situation where it's like, well, how much is Mike Williams going to play? I don't know that I'll trust him in his first week back uh, unless we get news that he's like good to go. But the odds are if he's back, it just means that like, I don't love the players I just mentioned as much, but you can still play them. And then Mike Williams, I'd be a little bit hesitant to play, would probably keep him on the bench. Uh, but you're obviously still playing Herbert, Eckler, Keenan Allen, no matter what. For the Raiders, uh, Jacobs, Adams are must-starts every week. Jacobs is actually the number one running back as of recording this this week, uh, given just a dream matchup against the Chargers. Beyond those two, you can stream Derek Carr if you need to. You can stream Foster Moreau if you need to, but Carr has lacked ceiling this season, and the Chargers are a bottom 10 matchup for tight ends. Then I suppose you could play Mac Hollins. He'd be okay if you really need to, but like there are two teams on by and he's a wide receiver 39. So if you're in a situation where you have to play him, things are probably not looking fantastic for your playoff odds. Sunday night game, 
will be Colts at Cowboys, 43 and a half point total. Cowboys, 11 point home favorites. For the Colts, Jonathan Taylor is always a must start, and Pittman is a good play. I hesitate in calling him a strong play this week. Um, I liked the matchup a lot last week, but now he's playing at Dallas. That's brutal, especially given the offensive line. Like, yeah, Dallas has a good secondary, but they also have a great pass rush. And I don't really think the Colts' offensive line is going to hold up all that great. And so I can't see Matt Ryan having enough time to like really get the ball downfield consistently, which is going to limit the upside of all Colts' wide receivers. If it's all going to be really short targets, well, now Pittman needs eight, nine receptions to like really hit. And so good play uh, since he's an elite wide receiver, has a good target share. Not a strong play. He's he's the wide receiver 25 right now, so it comes down to what you have. Uh, and I would say behind Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, I don't think you're playing anyone else. Then for the Cowboys, uh, Zeke and Pollard went back to being in like close to 50-50 split with Pollard maintaining an edge. The Colts are not a defense we're ever looking to attack, but both these running backs get enough volume, have enough touchdown odds that I think you're playing them as running back twos every week. Um this is actually the worst matchup for opposing wide receivers. And so stick to the studs. CD Lamb every week. I think you're benching Gallup. You're benching Noah Brown. Schultz grades out in that same tight end, like 5 to 15 range. Um, decent chance of scoring a touchdown. And so if you're just going for touchdown odds, if he's the guy you have, I think you're totally fine to play him. Uh, there's just nothing in the matchup that indicates he's a super good play. Final game of the week, Monday Night Football. Saints at Bucks. This would be a really good matchup in previous years, but this year it comes with a 40 and a half point total. Bucks are four point home favorites, despite being below 500, like every team in the NFC South. For the Saints, fresh off zero points last week and having scored less than 14 in three of their last four, they continue to not blame Andy Dalton for their lack of success, and so he's probably going to start again this week. Kamara and Olave are strong plays while Dalton is quarterback. Must start if they ever change to Winston. At tight end, you've got a bit of an odd situation. So Taysom Hill is the tight end six on the season right now, despite five receptions for 31 yards. And given that Ertz and Goddard are on the IR, he's probably going to become the tight end four on the season this week. Both Hill and Juwan Johnson are viable streaming options. You just need to understand that like the Hill games come with really big spikes and then you get nothing. So you can have Hill and Juwan Johnson score combined five points this week, or you could have Hill go for 20 or Juwan Johnson score multiple touchdowns. Like there's such a wide range of outcomes here. Neither of them are in that eight to 15 range for tight end, but they're like right after that. So if you want to use them for that upside, I think it's totally fine. Uh, but again, like Juwan scored zero last week. So that certainly could happen again this week. Then for the Bucs, uh, Godwin's been destroying recently. He has touchdowns in back-to-back games. He has 21 targets over the last two weeks as well. I don't feel comfortable calling Evans and Godwin must starts, but like, let's be honest, they're very, very strong plays. Um, I would be pretty surprised if you were benching either one of them. I know Evans hasn't been amazing recently, but he was 15th in the NFL with 20 expected fantasy points last week, but was the single most unlucky player in all fantasy scoring just 5.1. 
The volume is there. He's going to hit for a big play sooner or later. One thing to keep an eye out on is the status of Marshawn Lattimore. And so, obviously, if Lattimore is out again this week, the matchup becomes significantly stronger for Mike Evans and it becomes weaker if Lattimore is able to play. And it's the same thing for Brady, right? Well, if like Goblin and Evans are going off, Brady's obviously doing good. And if Lattimore plays, we have a lower chance that Evans goes off. And so Brady's a slightly worse play. So kind of check the status of that there. Uh, Then finally for the running backs, depends on Fournette, right? If Fournette is out, we're playing white every week where that's the case. If Fournette is back, my final ranking is going to depend on any reports we get later in the week. It's possible that white continues to start if Fournette is back, but we don't know that right now. And so we kind of have to wait and see on that one. So That is a breakdown of every matchup this week. I will continue adjusting the rankings every single day. So if you have access to those, check back later in the week, see what changes have occurred. I've also added a page on the site that goes over the best defense streaming options for the fantasy playoffs. And so check that out if you've not done so already. I will be back Saturday. It's one of my favorite plays this week. Then my friends, is in this one. Hope you all enjoy. If you did, hop a hang the like button. Have a subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.